to you from New York, New York. It's the Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Gianni Russo, Patrick Piccarelli, and Megan Horan. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Hollywood Podcast. Hollywood Godfather. Hollywood Godfather. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> I forgot it was Hollywood Godfather Podcast. That's why we have Megan with us. <laughs> when you get old and senile like me, she's here to guide me. So with that said, we are ready to touch a subject that is so in the headlines, which is normally things we don't do. We're normally talking about our past and our experiences. But I think there's a woman out there tonight, you're going to know a lot about her if you don't know already, is going through such an injustice. And fortunately, as in my past few years, knowing Pat, he's got his finger on the pulse. Mm -hmm. And he was part of the game and part of the whole corruption that's going on. And we're going to clear up some things and really create some controversy oh gosh which is just for this lady i hope someone would come to my defense as pat has encouraged all of us to, to let's clear this up pat with yes, no further to do <laughs> this is your show man go for it all right uh, i hope the uh the uh, emmy judges are watching this or listening to this well who knows you know right. anyway now you know this this podcast is is usually or has been and should be about the, the movies and organized crime. Well, my, my contention here is what I'm going to bring up is organized crime because as defined, organized crime is when a group of three or more people get together and commit an ongoing series of crimes, what the, they call in a law enterprise crime, which means uh, unlike a bank robber who will hold up a bank takes six months off and when he runs out of cash he holds up another bank i'm talking about people who consistently commit crime uh in a group of three or more that said uh of late there's been a lot of controversy about crime that was committed in april of 1989 uh when a woman uh she was a wall street employee lived in uh, the area of central park i believe she lived in central park west uh was jogging in central park uh, and on this particular night, she was accosted by a group of individuals. Now, uh, you have to think back if you folks live in New York or were even around at the time. Uh, the crime in New York in the, in the late 80s was extremely high. I'll give you an example of when I retired in 88. I believe that year or the year before, a homicide uh, count was 20. 2,300 dead people. And if you want to put that into perspective, in the entire Iraqi war, last 10 years, we lost a little over 4,000 soldiers. Now, anything over one is too many. But I'm just putting that into perspective. 2,400 people in the city of New York got murdered. I believe it was in 88. Wow. Might have been 87. Hmm. Okay, that said, we're put in, in, into a position that night in Central Park. There was a group of youngsters, young men in their teenage years. A, a group that the, the, the numbers range anywhere from 17 to 30, depending on what uh, periodical of the time you read. And so, they were so it wasn't involved. teenagers only. It was grown-ups, too. 
Yeah, everybody was. Well, it was the grown-ups, you know, chronologically, yes. But still, guys from the hood, let's call it what it was. They commit to Central <clears> Park, <throat> and they would. Uh, there was a term used for what these people were doing. It was called wilding. Mm-hmm. And in wilding, you get a group of people that uh, conduct blitz attacks, overwhelming force on passers-by, uh, overwhelm them physically, beat them, and rob them, and then they move on to the next hapless victim. That said, how long can you do this before somebody starts calling the police? And the group breaks up. So now we have a group of five people, five y- young men from the northern end of the neighborhood that border Central Park, and they come upon this jogger. They beat her to the point where she almost died. Uh, she lost the majority of her blood, exactly what it was, uh, the amount it was, I don't remember. But it was uh, uh, it was amazing that she survived this attack. They bashed her brains in with bricks. They violated her, and they left her for dead. Uh, now, you, you, you're not dealing with master criminals here. And within a few days, they were rounded up, arrested. They confessed on videotape. Uh and you have to understand also uh, that this crime made national news, not only for the viciousness of it, but because it's racial. Mm. The victim was white. The, the, uh, the people that they arrested were, were black, and I believe one was Hispanic. And I mean, it was top story everywhere. Network news, it was everywhere. Whenever a case like this occurs, the police are extra careful to go with every single rule across every T, dot every I, because the eyes of the nation are on them. If they screw up, if they do something wrong, if they neglect to do something, or they use too much force, this case gets thrown out. Uh, Not only are a lot of people embarrassed, but you get five criminals that get released back into the public. People lose their jobs, they lose their details, they lose their careers. So everybody gets involved in this. The district attorney's office comes down, all the bosses come out of the woodwork. Everybody wants to make sure that everything is investigated the way it's supposed to be. Now, these confessions of these five individuals were videotaped and they were on YouTube. Their parents were in the room as required by law. If you're under uh, 17 years of age, Mm -hmm. your parents must be there, your guardians, some adult that's a member of the family or designated as such to to protect their rights. Before you you get too ahead, before you get ahead of this, what I'd I'd like to do is be the the devil's advocate because knowing now what the Netflix film did on television and has created all this controversy and all of this falsity, it's important that I, I think our listeners <coughs> know that in the Netflix, they contradicted that and said that these kids were interrogated and tortured in some way to get their confession. Right. Okay. <clears throat> Look, not, not, not a, a glove was laid on. Their parents were there. I will reiterate that. And it was videoed and on YouTube. And up until a couple of weeks ago, it was still up there. And you see these kids on their own. You know, you don't question five of them together. You separate them. And they told in minute, brutal detail what they did to this woman. No coaching, 
no leading questions. They just talked. And these aren't sophisticated people. I mean, they're, they, 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 I don't know if they had criminal records or not. Maybe if they did, they were minor. But now they, they realize they're in trouble. They're trying to justify their actions. And like every other street thug, they start talking and blaming everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the group, though, you know, they, they, the, the, the facts that they had, the detail that they had, and there wasn't a mark, a scratch, nothing on them. And once again, the parents were there. Now, uh, in the Netflix, and I, I use the term loosely, documentary, when these kids were brought in, they're all beat up. They're bruised, they're battered. None of this happened. And you can see it in, in the video, which if, if they pulled it off of YouTube, which they probably did, but I, I, can't, I, I, I can't speak to that. They're available somewhere. Millions of people have seen these videos, literally. Mm-hmm. They've been on since the arrests, which were in 1989. Okay, so what happens? Uh, it was, uh, the, the case was handled by a bunch of uh, hand-picked detectives from Manhattan North, good cops, good detectives, most of uh, them who I knew, but particularly one of them, Detective Michael Sheehan, who uh, worked with me in the 2-4 precinct, which borders Central Park. I was a sergeant. He was a cop at the time. He hadn't made detective yet. And he drove me a lot. Every sergeant has a chauffeur. And uh, we, we became friends. He was a cop's cop. I mean, I can't say enough good things about Mike. Uh, he, him and his, uh, him and his uh, partner at the time, Steve Davis, made a spectacular arrest of somebody who shot a female police officer. Overnight, they were promoted to detective third grade, and they left the precinct, the both of them. But, you know, we still were, were friends. I went to Mike's wedding after that in Florida. I mean, we, we stayed close over the years until I, you know, moved to the woods here. That said, top-notch detectives handled this case, and they were scrupulous in what they did. The Manhattan DA's office uh, was responsible for prosecuting them. In the Manhattan DA's office, there's a unit called the Sex Crimes Unit. Mm-hmm. And a the woman that ran it, started the first unit of its kind in the United States. Her name is Linda Fairstein. And she was at the helm for over 20 years, I think close to 30. But the years don't matter. It's really what she did. She started the ball rolling for every other sex crimes prosecution unit in the United States. They created case law. Uh, they were the, the prosecution unit that the country, if not the world, looked to how to conduct a sex crime investigation, successfully prosecute it, and put people away. Linda Fairstein was lionized, loved. She was in the White House. She was always on television. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, she, talking about TV, I mean, that's what we all know is law and order. With, yeah, well, yeah, law SVU. and order, yeah. law and, order SVU and all the other law and orders, uh, uh, particularly SVU, was, was, was based on her unit. Mm-hmm. And, and because of that unit, the NYPD created the sex crimes unit. I mean, everything started... Ground zero was Linda Fairstein. Now, she is the boss of the unit overseeing, I don't know how many assistant district attorneys, but many. This is a New York DA's office. You know, I mean, she was the supervisor of this entire unit. She didn't have hands-on, day-to-day operational responsibility. That's what she has assistant district attorneys for. She oversaw the case, naturally, but they had her go in a central, central park precinct, they, they had her saying uh, a terrible racial things, uh, really hateful things. That's not Linda Fairstein. Anyway. Hmm. Uh, who who, who get, produced the they, show? They, 
that they these five get convicted. The evidence was overwhelming, plus the videotape confessions. Yeah. But obviously, no duress. Once again, their parents were there. They 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 get convicted, and depending on what they did to this poor woman, she survived. By the way, she had no re- recollection of the crime. Uh, her brains were beaten in, and uh, I think she lost four fifths of her blood. I mean, it was horrible. Uh, she couldn't even testify because she had no idea what happened to her. So even given the the lack of of, of a, a a victim with any cohesive testimony, they get convicted, and they get anywhere from seven to thirteen years or in that uh, range. So that's 1989. In the mid 2000s, a convicted career criminal. Uh, diagnosed psychopath by the name of Mateus Reyes. Uh, and he was always convicted of sex crimes, did his time, and they always let him out, which is what they do. Oh. That night uh, of this crime, after these five left this woman for dead and beaten to a pulp, they leave. And along comes Mateus Reyes looking for a victim. Oh, man. He finds the victim near death and rapes her ejaculates in her. Now, in 1989, DNA was in its infantry, uh, uh, infancy. Uh, they had other physical evidence connecting these five to this crime, but they didn't have semen from any of them inside the victim. Uh, but back then, there was no DNA evidence. Uh, there was w- what was known as uh, secretion evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can take semen and determine uh, what blood type the person was if the person what is known is known as a secretor, that they secrete their blood type. That was the only way to make a connection. And it didn't connect to any of these people. Uh, it connected after you know years of, of uh, DNA and making it more sophisticated. They connect the semen to Mateus Reyes, who's already doing time for another crime, by the way. He's never getting out. He got 40 years or something. Oh, my gosh. Now, the world decides that these five are innocent. Uh, Mayor de Blasio, uh, naturally, everybody's suing the city. The five families, the five families, it's like I'm talking about the mob. Yeah, right. The families, <laughs> the families of these kids, uh, they're men now, they've been doing their time. Uh, without asking for, you know, they're talking about suing the city without asking for any uh, monetary reimbursement. De Blasio decides he's going to write a check for $41 million and give it to these people. When, when did he do this? First term. <coughs> when, though? When? What, I don't know. What I year? forget what year. Uh, the, the early... Whenever he first got elected or was about to get elected and he got elected, he was the one that said, write him the check. And they did. They got $41 million. And uh, this was, what, 20 years after their crime? Yeah, right. They're already out. Plus, Reyes, they decided, was the rapist and did everything, which was not the case. He raped the, the, the this 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 woman. What kind of animal could do something like that? I mean, she was a bloody mess and unconscious and near death. He rapes her. No, I did but my research on him. What you're saying again, because you you're so knowledgeable of it. I think a lot of our listeners are not. So what, well, all they have what to basically, do is read the case. Now, no, no, but I'm, before, excuse me. Yeah. Let me just say what I want to say. What what okay, I yeah. want to point out, just to, uh, you know, to let them understand how what an injustice this is this guy just basically raped a lady that was next to death that these kids sodomized beat to death and left her for dead yeah and now this guy's being blamed for the whole thing right now you might say why isn't there an independent investigation i mean you can watch the uh 
Netflix documentary giant that you referred to, but there was a Ken Burns documentary on PBS about two months prior the uh, Netflix documentary. None of they never mentioned an independent investigator. There was one, Michael Armstrong, uh, a very well respected attorney, who was the second chair in the Knapp Commission hearings on police corruption in the 1970s. Uh, he was appointed by the state to investigate the handling of this crime because, hey, five innocent uh, men did all these years. Uh, There's a, a tremendous injustice. Well, Michael Armstrong has never been a fan of the police, uh, but he did a fair, extensive investigation and found that uh, not only were the, the, the police exonerated from any wrongdoing, but he complimented them on a professional job they did and also exonerated the uh, Manhattan DA's office for any wrongdoing and complimented them. End of investigation. Do you hear of any any person that speaks of this case even mentioning the Michael Armstrong investigation? Mm -mm. Nobody at all. So what do we have now? We've got uh, five guys that get $41 million, but hold it. They're not done yet, as they say on late night television. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the the state, not to be outdone, Cuomo. This is now like last month, cuts them a check for three point six million additional. Why? But why? Why? Why, why? I mean, I, I don't really. I mean, I'm so confused. We know it's happening, and why is why is it you now? Votes, votes. The state jumped on the, on the, the bandwagon. That's $41 million was given to them 10 years ago, more than that. And why all of a sudden, within the last couple of months, do they get $3.6 million more? Votes. The, the minority... Is the Democratic Party that hard up? Yeah, the Democratic, Party's put, the Democratic Party was pushing this. So what's the outcome of all this? And it's a tremendous injustice. But now they start going after the, 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 uh, the principal's who are involved in the investigation and prosecution. Let's get back to Linda Fasting. Linda Fasting subsequently retired after uh, an illustrious career with the Manhattan DA's office, way before the Central Park Five ever became a controversy. They're doing their time. She retires in, I think, 2002 or three. Uh, she becomes a writer and writes numerous bestsellers, literally the definition of a bestseller. All her books are on the New York Times bestseller list. Famous. I mean, she has a second career. Once again, all the talk shows, they talk about her past, they talk about her writing. So the Mystery Writers of America, which is the premier uh, group of, uh, uh, fraternal group of mystery writers, to be invited into the Mystery Writers of America is a honor. So she, naturally she was in the Mystery Writers of America, but once a year they have a big banquet in, uh, in uh, uh, Manhattan Hotel, and they award, uh, uh, they, they give awards for the best, uh, 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 the best hardcover novel, the best uh, mystery movie, the best softcover book, et cetera, et cetera. It's called uh, an, an Edgar, after Edgar Allan Poe. Mm -hmm. And to win an Edgar in the mystery business is like winning an Oscar in the movie business. It's a big deal. And it's a tremendous honor. On top of that, they give an award that's called the Grand Master. They give one every year to the premier mystery writer living, got to be living, in the country. Uh, and that's the biggest honor any mystery writer can get in the United States. Uh, just to 
give you the idea of of uh, uh, of uh, people who have gotten it in the past: Agatha Christie, mm. Mickey Spillane, wow. John Grisham. Uh, you know, the, the list goes on. Top flight writers that name everybody knows. She gets the award this year, and they publicize it about two months prior to the award. This year's winner will be Linda Fairstein accepting the uh, Grandmaster Award at the banquet. Well, about two weeks before or three weeks before the banquet, a bunch of uh, writers in the Mystery Writers of America get together and they say she railroaded, she was the head of the sex crimes unit, so therefore it's her fault that these poor innocent children were railroaded into prison and they demand that they pull the Grandmaster Award from her. This has never been wow. done. And these people didn't agree. And, I mean, and they're members, and they're members of the mystery writers? writers. Right. Are they right. members of the mystery writers? Or they just, of course. Oh, 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 yeah. The member, the only only <clears throat> the members can vote. No, but I mean, and, you and could I write letters. I what a prestigious organization this is. No, these are mystery writers that belong to the organization. They voted her in, and they voted her out. Jeez. But the point is, this has never been done before. And you would think that people who can put pen to paper and write a book that research books. I mean, look what you and I went through, Johnny, for two yeah. years of our lives, you know, working on this in one form or another. Individual writers do this. They write books, they research the books. They didn't in this case. They all got together and they say, uh, it's it's blasphemous, it's, 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 it's an injustice. The people who have come before her that have won this award, we demand that she get stripped of this award. And they took it from her without even giving her an opportunity to defend herself, nothing. They just said she was the nominee, she was going to get the award, she is no longer getting the award. Oh my. And they took it. Now, I have never met Linda Fairstein. I know people that know her personally. I was never involved in sex crimes investigations. I know people that know her personally. I know of her career. I know what cops think of her and what a good person she is. And now she's sitting there, goes from the top of the world to, uh, to the bottom. And, and an edition of, of, of the Daily News was, uh, was on page three, that they stripped her of this award. No investigation. Nobody you know, asked them, well, what about the Michael Armstrong investigation? Who? They have no idea about any of this. Hmm. They pull this award. I'm so incensed. Although this wasn't really the end of it. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in contact over the years with, with Mike Sheehan, who was, as I mentioned initially, was one of the detectives that investigated this case. And he handled the, uh, the uh, preppy murder case. Uh, I mean, there were so many uh, high-profile investigations he handled, uh, along with help, of course. You don't do this by yourself. This isn't television. Uh, uh, this, these cases made his reputation. And, this, and uh, you know, you, you win some, you lose some, you lock people up. Sometimes they walk, you know, the prosecution can't prove their case. Hey, it's the breaks of the game. And it, it, it just rolls off your back. This case bothered him. I mean, any time we spoke, which was rare. I mean, truth be told, I, I moved here to you know, the middle of the woods. And he became, by the way, an on-air Fox television local news uh, commentator for years. He was an on-air commentator and very good at it. Won all kinds of awards uh, and had, had a second career. And he should have forgotten about the police, but he could never let this case alone. And he wasn't the only one. He said, what have they done? the people involved in this case. He just couldn't let it alone. Not that, you know, there was anything he can do about it. We just annoyed the hell out of him that they did this case so perfectly. They handled it by the book the way it was supposed to be handled. And particularly when they said these, these kids were mistreated and tortured and beaten. That really got him going. I mm. mean, they treated these people 
better than they treated anybody else. I mean, they had to. The eyes of the world were on them. Anyway, Mike Sheehan died two weeks ago. And I, I was discussing this with, uh, with with Gianni, and he took this to his grave. 71 years old, he had cancer. Wow. And uh, I, I felt very bad. You know, he was a friend, and he passed away. But I, I felt even worse that, that, that he had to go without ever seeing this resolved. And I was so pissed off. I'm a member of the Mystery Writers of America. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a full member. And <clears throat> nobody quits this organization. Nobody. Once you're in, you're in. It's like the mafia. <laughs> you know, blood in, blood out. Once you're in, it's a prestigious organization. There's no reason to quit it. Mm-hmm. I mean, people may hit on hard times and they, they can't afford the dues or they get away from mystery writing and they just fade into oblivion. I'm sure that's happened. People die. But nobody ever sent a letter of resignation. As far as I know, mystery writers have been around since the 1930s, except one person. You know who that is? You. Right. Wow. I wrote a letter, a heartfelt letter, which I shared <clears throat> She had with Gianni. I asked him, I mean, I, I you know, his, his opinion means a lot to me. And I said, what do you think of this? Am I doing the right thing here? And of course, he was like everybody else as far as being advised or prized of the facts. And he was flabbergasted. Uh, is that the right word, Gianni? Oh, yeah. I mean, so, so much so. I, I believe the news. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this not? lady I mean, was, you know, How else do we find out what's going on? And nobody, nobody stood up for this woman. So I, I wrote a letter. Uh, I was very polite, very professional. You know, I mean, uh, and I just said, I don't want to, the bottom line was, the last paragraph, and, and I'm paraphrasing it, was I don't want to be a member of an organization that's one is supposed to be a fraternal organization that now all of, a, all of a sudden turns political. And even that set aside, how you exoriate and ruin somebody without the facts. You yeah. just go ahead and do it. And not only did she lose the award, a publisher dropped her because they were getting pressured. So oh, she man. now no longer has a publisher. The the, the the DA who actually prosecuted the case, she had to resign. This was all in the last uh, month or two. Really? Uh, Linda Fasty sat on the board <laughs> of, of quite a few corporations because of who she is. You know, the, most of these uh, uh, board uh, memberships are because of your uh, notoriety, your fame, and you, you lend something to the corporation. She had, to, she had to leave all those boards. I think there was three or four of them. She sat on the boards of several major corporations and charities. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. Oh, man. Well, this all is done. why I want our audience who's listening to this tonight, because we've never done a show like this. No. But it's a situation where this was so dear to Pat and, and the gentleman who passed on, and uh, Pat and I had a private conversation about it, and he was really moved by, here's a man who dedicated his life to justice, knew this case backwards and forwards, and like they pointed out during the investigation, they were under microscopes. They oh, did everything to the letter of the law. And beyond that, and these kids had a fair trial they confessed to what they did. The confusion is, yes, they never left semen behind. They never had intercourse with her. But what they did was worse than that. The way they, you know, mishandled, I mean, the beater and, and probed her body with foreign objects. For them to be walking, and again, we don't get political, 
But this, I don't, I don't know. I, I can't understand why no one who's a friend of this lady. They're afraid, Johnny. What's that? They're afraid. Afraid of what? This is this is not this is not the time with Me Too movements and and Black Lives Matter and uh, the, uh, all the police are baby killers and this is not the time to stand your ground. Trust me. This is why. Do you know that in the past month, the month of June, which we just left, four active NYPD cops killed themselves. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and the ranks went from the one that killed himself day before yesterday, three years in a job. One that killed himself two weeks ago was an assistant chief with 30 years on a job. Oh, my. Why, why, why do you think like that, that is? You know, do we know what goes through these people's minds? But do you know what this what this job? Well, I can't say this job. I'm not on it anymore. But I, the last thing, last job I'd want to have now, I mean, I retired in 1988, is, is a, a police officer in a big city police department. I mean... You can't, you can't do anything right. You're, you're guilty until proven innocent. This gets to you after a while. The amount, the, the highest suicide rate uh, of any uniformed service is police officers. And for this very reason, it's rising and rising rapidly. And, you know, you can't put your finger on why did this guy kill himself? They don't leave notes. They have a gun. It's usually, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 you have, it's opportunistic. The gun's there, <clears throat> boom, you know, and you can't, you can't unboom it. You can't not pull the yeah, trigger. No. Right, right. You can't unpull it. Uh, it's just, it's just hard with it. You know, look, there's nothing worse than a crooked cop, and there's many of those around. I have no idea how many, but the majority, the vast majority, uh, uh, their lives are getting are getting ruined uh, by something, the innuendo, and it's 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 politically correct. Look, look at the woman who who won. Won the uh, the Queen's DA last week. Have you been following this, Gianni? No, no, no. Okay, the woman is a is a, a self admitted socialist. Never, she's a lawyer. Never tried a case in her life. Gets she wins Queen's DA election last week. Her platform was she's not going to prosecute the following crimes: shoplifting, prostitution, drug possession and fair beating are no longer prosecutorial crimes in the borough of Queens once she takes office. What do you mean fair beating? I'm naive to what fair beating is. Jumping a turnstile. Oh, oh, oh. But fair. Drug possession, but drug fair. possession. Oh, oh, oh. I, yeah, I, was, I wasn't beating, getting that either. Okay, got it. You're beating a fair. You're jumping, jumping. Uh, I didn't but anyway, know. prostitution, uh, uh, shoplifting, they're not prosecuting it anymore. What? No, but yeah. see, to me, what, what, up, what, as they say, you know, I, yeah, I, I, this I, is the way the political climate is going. <clears throat> but don't you think? I mean, here we are, you and I, both mature adults, went through so many elections with pros, cons, Democrats, Republicans, and again, I, I've never been uh, a politician or a pro politician in my life. But this, to me, seems like such a bare, blatant injustice. And it's publicized, and for view, with a woman who had such a pristine record, why is no one other than you going after this? They're afraid. Look, afraid I've spoken of what? to people. I've talked. I've spoken to people and mystery writers, and you know, uh, I, I don't want to go into it any further than that. But I have a lot of people that agree with me. They're afraid to ruin their careers. You know, and and my response was. 
write a good book and your career won't be ruined. Yeah. I mean, you and I are a perfect example of that. Well, I mean, it's you know, write write a, write a good friggin' book and you'll be fine. And it, it, are, are you are you concerned about uh, winning an Edgar? Well, obviously, I'm never going to get nominated. Uh, uh, but you got to do the right thing occasionally. Well, this mm-hmm. is you know, why, I, I, that's because, why I'm, you know, I'm trying to help you do that. What and all the people that are listening to us right now for the last thirty minutes. What can we do? Is there a petition? What is the movement in best favor thing, of this lady? Best thing to do, it's going to take some time out of their lives. Write a letter, an email, send a smoke signal, whatever you have to do to your local media outlet, particularly NBC and CNN, who've been ripping this woman apart, and explain how you feel. Refer them to this podcast. But you really don't even have to do that. Just refer them to the Michael Armstrong investigation. No one, you know what, what really bothers me? You know, people uh, people vote in this country about the appearance of, of a candidate. About, they get their facts from a documentary. They get their f- facts from television. They, nobody reads anymore. Nobody researches anymore. I mean, to look at this documentary is so slanted. that people say, you know, maybe there's another side to this. And none of this groundswell started against Linda and and these other people that lost their, their livelihoods until these two documentaries came out. This case has been controversial since 1989. Nobody said boo until these two alleged factual do- documentaries came out. Ken Burns uh, uh, was told about the Michael Armstrong investigation by a guy by the name of uh, uh, Leonard Levitt, who writes a a, uh, a column uh, about the city politicians, but mostly about cops and prosecutors. comes out every Monday. Uh, Levitt has won all kinds of awards. He contacted Burns. Uh, Burns contacted him, I, I believe, is the way it was when he was making his own documentary. Not Burns personally, but his staff, people putting the documentary together. And Lenny Levitt said, you are going to put in the part about M- Michael Armstrong and his investigation, right? And they said, oh, yeah, we're going to look into all that. Nothing. Because once they, it didn't agree with what they wanted to show. Documentaries do not tell you the truth. They tell a side of the story. And not only their documentary, all documentaries. If you were going to lay out an evenly fair film regarding a subject, it would be rather boring. It would make people think. You want to get people riled up. You want to get them incensed. Not that they look at this thing and say, hey, you know, both sides of the story, I don't know which side I believe. I'm going to do some research. Nobody does that anymore. So what they want to do is just create something slanted. And this, you can't get any more slanted. You know, Kev, uh, Ken Burns' was pretty bad. It doesn't even compare. By the way, uh, uh, the producers of the uh, Netflix documentary were Oprah Winfrey and Robert De Niro. They put this together. Are you kidding me? No. no, I'm not kidding you. That's the first it's time there. you told me that. The... Yeah, well. Oprah Winfrey? De Niro and Oprah. They're, they're baby. They don't wow. speak to it. You know what, what What else you won't find is ever since this notoriety came about, this uh, the Central Park Five have been on every show there is. I, I mean, saw you, a you picture can't... of them on a red carpet, and I was like, wait, what is going yeah, on? But, and, yeah, but even notice, no one asks them about whether they committed the crime or not, because it's a subject that can't be broached. They won't go on, they won't be interviewed if anybody's going to bring it up. So they want, the, 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 the media outlets want the interviews, so they agree to it. 
Wow. I have never, I've never, in in all my life, being around every walk of life in the world, I've never seen such injustice of a lady who is a pristine lady and nobody's going to her aid. It it seems so strange to me. me. I'm sorry, Jay. It's, It's crazy. I mean, if this is what our society is now, it's like mob rule. It's, you know, the, the, the Internet runs this country now to an extent. You put anything up there and people believe it. People don't read anymore. People don't research anymore. Not that they have to. But if there's a subject that interests you, that you, you want to get to the truth the best you can as an individual, rely on a documentary. You, 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 you rely on something that you don't have to put any effort into. Mm-hmm. No, but you know, uh, with, and, with all the accolades this lady had up until now, there is no one in her relationships of organizations and corporations and boards that she sat on and charities. No, they all got rid of her. No, they all told her to leave. You know what really surprised me? Funny you should bring that up, and it's a very good question. Dutton, who was her publisher, who have made millions off of her books. Oh, you know, they, they get rid of her. They kicked her out because somewhere along the line, somebody said something. If you back her, you're going to have trouble somewhere with you with your writers. Normally, writers are very liberal-minded people. You know, they're uh, they're artists. The most artists are, as you know from the Hollywood community, and the writing community is the same. Nothing wrong with that. Your politics are your politics, <clears> but there <throat> there are innuendos and threats going around here. And but Dutton to drop her with no information other than what they read or saw in this documentary. All they have to do is go to Michael Armstrong's investigation. That's all they have to do. You don't have to believe anybody. And, and and if you say, well, okay, he was slanted too, he lied too. So why hire an independent investigator with a pristine and uh, uh, very w- well-respected reputation? You're not going to believe him either? No, you believe what you want to believe. Mm. So This I is mean, so weird I don't to get, me. I, I'm, I'm not political. I mean, uh, you know, I, I've been uh, married for a long time. I have a lot of friends that I've known forever. No one knows my politics. Mm. And, and I'm not a political person. I'm a f- you know why I, I, I became a, a cop? Because crime offends my sense of order. That's my politics right there. Mm. Give, a, give everybody a fair shake. And with the overwhelming influence of the internet, can we really do that? Well, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm over. I, I can't even comprehend that they can get away with this to destroy a person. I mean, I don't understand why no one. I don't. I don't even know her. I'd like to drive out to her house and give her a hug. I mean, it's it's crazy. I feel like we're in a, too, a, 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 a you know communist country. Where if I, we, if we're gonna if we are going to come to this, that anybody wants to destroy you. We're in a sad place, man. It's so easy to do, Gianni. It's so simple. You know, and say, you know, who's defending her? You know, our best defense is ourselves. So she came out within the last month. This is what happened. She came out. The the Daily News gave her a page and she came out with basically what I just said. And she and she didn't back down an inch. Said this. These are the facts. And this is what happened. Nothing. So why is Uh, she getting some controversial television stations and radio stations and start a program. I'm, I'm totally confused on this. Well, we just started the one right here. Uh-huh. If somebody picks, you know, somebody should pick this up. It, it should be, you know, it's it, it's a different approach to the story. 
But what you have now is uh, is a writer. Hey, I write books. I resigned from the NWA because of this. I expect somebody maybe will approach me and say, hey, this is a story. Would you like to be interviewed? And I say, yeah, I'd like to be interviewed about this. Right. You know, and I I, I, I want to speak my piece. Uh, Linda Fairstein defended herself, went nowhere. The prosecutor defended herself, it went nowhere. The day before yesterday, one of the detectives who I don't know, who worked with uh, Mike Sheehan, defended himself in uh, an op-ed piece in the New York Post. Same thing. Look into the facts. And, uh, and he even said, these are not a scratch on these kids, videotape, parents, yada, yada. Going nowhere. Why? It's a cop. No one's going to believe a cop. No one's going to believe the establishment. No one's going to believe anything except what they want to hear. There's an agenda here. Now, would you have believed even a year ago that this country may be leaning towards socialism? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would say, yeah, you're out of your mind. But then again, two years ago, I would have said, elect Donald Trump president. What, are you out of your mind? <laughs> you know, things right. happen. You know, people get pissed off and they, they go in different directions. But this is a groundswell here. Well, this you know, is what I'm saying. To me, much... it's like, you know, it's, yeah. it's it, there is, I don't see any, any good come out of this at all. This at lady all. has to open her mouth. I mean, and, if... and, and I'm not prejudiced. I'm not anything at this point. No. But these kids did confess to the crime. Yeah. No, they said they was beaten out of them. Well, if you saw these videos, and uh, many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people saw these videos, I'm sure they're still up around somewhere on the internet. You'll see that they were, I mean, just a normal everyday interrogation with their parents there. I mean, I'm sorry I keep repeating this, but were the parents uh, not, not were the parents not depicted in the Netflix part or? Part? No, no, they showed. No, no, they were no. The parents weren't in this Netflix. Oh, they weren't. No, they showed the they kids were being interrogated. These kids were brought in, beaten and scarred, and allegedly the police beat them up and forced confessions out of them. Well, then and where Linda, are they getting Linda this information Fasting from? character is there, uh, speaking in uh, racial epithets, and we're going to get these people. And they're just I mean, making so up their ridiculous. own story. Yeah, I've seen who's those. I've them? seen those interviews, the interrogations. Yeah, who's stopping them? Oh, jeez. No one. But I mean, it's public record. I yes, it is. It's I, all public record. Well, I can't understand. Hey, I don't. I don't get I, it either. I'm going to find no out one, in the next no few weeks. No one has the, and you know, we can. I, no one has the balls to do it. No one wants to be the person to defend what actually happened. It's going to ruin their careers. Look at what happened to Linda. <laughs> I mean, look, look at look at the prosecutor who actually prosecuted it. She's she's done. No one's going to hire her. She's finished. Well, I'm mean, unfortunately, mm-hmm. like you know, she doesn't need to be hired. But I, I myself would go to my grave defending my record if I were her. She's she done it. And why succumb to it? Well, see, I'm not saying she is. I mean, given an opportunity, but no one's going to have her on, on, any, on any news program. I expected at least to see her on Fox. Well, I'm saying, why wouldn't Fox yeah. hear her side know. of the story? I don't know. How long has this been going on? This particular segment where everybody's getting fired and losing their careers? Yeah, how long is this now? Since the, since the Ken Burns uh, documentary, which I'd say was February. Oh, so this is new. Oh, absolutely new, yeah. Oh, that's good then. That's encouraging to me. Yeah, no, people are complaining I'm, about I'm, this case for years. These kids were railroaded with this Mateus Reyes, yada, yada, did this and that. No one's saying that Reyes didn't come along and, and, and rape and sodomize this poor yeah, homeless woman. We're, we're, Nobody's saying that. And basically, we're well, saying that now. she did it. 
No, all I'm saying, we, we are agreeing with everything Ray has said, but it doesn't eliminate what they've done prior to him showing up. Yeah, that's therein lies the frustration and why I'm so frustrated. I, I, I'm frustrated know. I don't even know the lady. <laughs> so, well, me too. I don't know her. I no, mean, I know of her. And, I know when I hung up with you last week, and I, and I hope any of our listeners, and I, I'd really like your list, my, our listeners to respond. I hope we're not offending you by, by, by going off a record of what our program normally is. But, I mean, I think if this was your aunt or your mother, you would be as agitated as Pat and I are. And I only know Pat for so many years, but it's a lifetime to me. And I know how moved he was, especially when his friend died and had to take this to the grave without injustice there alone. I mean, everything you know, that they've yeah, done I, has been unraveled by these idiots. You now, I live my life under the radar. I mean, I, I know, don't, uh, people, I can't tell you how many places I'm asked to speak and do this and do that. And do, I don't do any of it. I write books and I'm happy with, with doing that. I mean, uh, uh, this got me out of my shell. I mean, this really, when what did it was when Mike died. That's what did it. When Mike well, no, and I, and I understand that. And I, I've been around situations like that. And I understand how you feel. And that's why when we spoke, I said, we have to devote an hour to this. What, well, I, what I'd like to hear back from our people, and we should yeah. talk to our, our engineer, uh, Pat, to get this up sooner than later. I don't right. know how fast we could, in production, I'm saying it on the air, mm -hmm. but that's how adamant I would like to have this up and get a reaction to, I mean, are, are we all crawling under a shell or a rock? And well, why not? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I know that, but you I'm, know, and, what and, I'm and saying, you and I, I are not, but I'm saying I, I want to hear out there why people are just sitting back and taking this. I mean, this is nuts. And I have the well, right people. You know what people. the answer is going to be? The people who are sitting back and not getting involved are the people who we're not going to hear from. Uh, or, or if we do, there's going to be uh, an anonymous email saying, you're absolutely right, and my response is, well, do something about it. Write a letter. Write an email. No. Tell people how you feel and the basis for your feelings. And uh, most of these people were involved in this case. I wasn't involved in it. I was involved in it through my friend. I, I was retired when this happened. Retired. This happened in 89. I retired in 88. So mm -hmm. I wasn't involved in this case at all. But I knew the people who were. And I, I know what I can read. Hey, I'm an adult. I read stuff. You know? I mean, I read the, the Michael Armstrong results of their intensive investigation. You're not talking about a whitewash yet. You're talking about uh, a very well-respected attorney uh, who, who was, uh, everybody agreed that, yes, this is the guy that should do this independent investigation because he's fair. Oh, he came out with his ruling and nobody cares. No? So. That is weird. Well, well I, I got to leave it at that, I guess. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, the thing is this, what, what we're not going to leave it at, at that is this. We, uh, I'm glad we did this show. And now that we've done it, I want to get a response, a quick response. So we're going to move this up on the agenda. So I, I would like to get some response that way. But I'm going to work my magic with my friends who are right. very political. And I want them to hear this and, and give me a reason why we shouldn't surround this lady and, and get her life back. Absolutely. And, then, you know, and to add insult to injury, her, her husband died. Uh, she married to for like 100 years. Not because of this. He died a couple of years ago. But oh. uh, she, started, she started a new life. 
a very successful life. Uh, if you've never read any of, of her books, just go on Amazon. And I mean, she's an international bestseller. And just the, from what I hear and everybody that I know who knows her, she's just a wonderful person who worked her ass off to give. Uh, and she was, she she started the the, the movement where uh, 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 victims of sexual crimes didn't have to get up on the stand and bear their past sexual history. It, she did uh, rape victims didn't have to have a corroboration anymore. You know, I mean, she she broke new ground, uh, and everybody seems to forget that. And all of a sudden, where, where, she's not where fair does she anymore. live? Where does you she? Know? All of a sudden, she's a racist. Mm. Where does she I'm, live? I'm unreal. Hmm? Is she accessible, Pat? Where does she live? Yeah, she lives on the Upper West Side. Uh, last I heard, which is fairly recent, you know. And truthfully, she may have had a move. I don't know that for a fact. I'm just just guessing, or e- either that, or she everything became uh, you know unlisted. But she, she's going to hear about this. I almost guarantee it. Or is there a way where we can make her hear about this? Yeah, I don't know. I got a way. Mm. I'm sure you do. I got a lot of ways. No, uh, that's what I heard. I just want. <laughs> I want to really. This is going to be a mission of mine privately, and hopefully it gets to be justice for her. I don't want any accolades, nor do you, Pat. We no, just, not at all. We just, just want to see. Your, what's your side of the story? If let me let me let me run this by you. If we have an opportunity to get her on our show here, what do you think? I would love it. Yeah, that would be great. Oh, okay, now that's what we have to shoot for. For sure. We have a we well. Have even a really our, this platform isn't big enough for her. I want to get. I'm, I'm going national. <laughs> all right, let's go. You know, look, it. it that's mm-hmm. what she needs. Nothing in, in this woman's case. Nothing is too small. No, you know, but mean, still, you're right. The I think the you have to take obviously. it out of the political arena of New York State. It yeah. has gotten so. I mean, they're going. New York State is going to provide driver's licenses to illegal aliens. I know. Uh, as of January 1st. Free uh, medical care is next, which is everybody's talking about now. Anyway, did you watch the Democratic debates by any chance? No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, thank you. I don't watch any debates. <clears throat> just get, it just gets my blood pressure up. Yeah. That said, I do watch network news at night. And they had uh, the, the other day when the, I believe the uh, debates were ending. This was the second debate that, that, uh, that Joe Biden was on. Right. And uh, one of the commentators, I, uh, I think it was an NBC commentator, said, who am, am, among you advocates free medical care for illegal aliens? They all raised the their hands, hand. They all did, but the hands started to go up, and others weren't up yet. And they looked around, and slowly all the hands oh. went up. Yeah, they're all and lying. this is what we're dealing with now. Of course, how are you going to pay for all this? Is uh, you know Nobody yeah. asks that. Yeah. Yeah. But, we're worried about Medicaid is, for the people who deserve it, and, and if they're running out of money now. Now you're going to give yeah, illegal it, aliens Medicaid. Forget about well, it. Well, not only that, perhaps you should take the money you'll be spending on them and give it uh, or provide it to the Veterans Administration who are treating vets who are, are fighting wars, you know? Right. It's just an aside, right. you mm-hmm. know? If you have all that extra cash laying around to give everybody free care, how about giving it to the people who deserve it? Right. Yeah. Just well, the, we guarantee our audiences this will be far and few between that we're getting political. We'll be back with... Few and far between. Uh, far, few and far between. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, whatever. She's always correcting me. <laughs> Just trying to help you no, out. No, I need, I need help. That's why she's here. No, but the okay. thing is that uh, this is a very important show to Pat and I, and I hope we didn't infringe on what you expected to hear, but uh, sometimes you have to... Stand up for people's rights. Yeah, you know, even, I, even I, I, I try to make 
I try to make this fair and balanced. Right. You know, uh, it's uh, it's the way I researched it. I just told it as it is. You can direct all your hate mail to Megan Horan. That's oh, goodness. It was all my idea. No, I definitely understand what I'm, what I'm trying to prove right. here. It's oh, just yeah, a fairness. Yeah, 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 definitely. But we would like you to hear from you who listen to this program, what your thoughts are. And uh, again, uh, I, I don't want to say I'm apologizing for the different programming that we're never used to doing. We've never done something like this. But I just feel terrible for this lady if all that's said about her in her previous life is so all accolades and now all of a sudden she's thrown under yeah. the bus. That's crazy. Yeah, if, if, if her entire life is based on this, that's it, it's, it, it's shameful. We're going to go right to the mailbag and uh, answer some questions and we have a whole new format which you'll be aware of when you tune in all the time now and we want to talk to you every week. So we need you to respond so we're able to do that. And tell your friends, more important, and subscribe. Yes, absolutely. So let's get right to it. All right, let's just jump in. So we got a couple film-related first for okay. towards you, it. Gianni. All right, so Rachel asks, well, first she says, you obviously had an incredible film role to start your career. What is the hardest part about breaking into movies or acting? Getting your first job. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I mean, it's, it's so true. You well, know, it's I, true. It's like, in, it's like in writing, selling your first book. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, a lot of people, I mean, because especially in my, my, my congregation at church, ever since the book came out, thanks to Pat and the success of that book, everybody got to know me all over again. Yeah. I mean, I'm, every time I leave, a lady the other day stopped me at communion. She can I talk to you? I said, well, you don't mind if I get my host first. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, with that said, a kid just said that to me the other day. He said, I don't know what to do. I said, well, first of all, I'd go get a job that doesn't involve motion pictures because... <laughs> Back up yeah, so, so, so you can eat. Yeah. You know? yeah I'm, I'm, I actually told my own kids that. I said, you know, you want to get in this industry. The only way I would recommend anybody becoming an actor, they always say actor now, they don't identify actress or actor. We're all actors mm -hmm. because nobody has a... Well, I can understand. Nobody has a gender that they realize they may be with for a while, <laughs> thanks to Bruce Jenner. But anyway, oh um, <laughs> but I said, you know, I tell my kids, the day you could join the best country club, and you don't have to go to work every day, become an actor, hmm. because you can't rely on it. Not, I mean, not, on these people are getting off buses from. Nebraska with their suitcases. Right, everybody wants to do it, but well, it's you know what it is. It's social media, fortunately, for social media. But the tragic part is everybody wants to become a movie star, mm -hmm. and you know all these entertainment shows just brainwash them more and more. But to ask Rachel, answer mm -hmm. Rachel rather. Mm -hmm. Rachel, I was lucky. I mean, uh, if you read my book, my life as I'm under the watchful eye of the Lord. And uh, he's guided me every way. He may regret it someday. I'll, when I meet him, uh, he'll, <laughs> he'll let me know. But I'm not stopping, thank God. <laughs> All right, so next one. What would you say was your hardest role to play? My, my hardest role to play? That's a good question. Well, uh, it's an easy question for me to answer. And Pat, you'll know why once I open my mouth about the first sentence. 
my father used to abuse my mother. Hmm. So oh, I, there you go. Okay. So when I had to abuse Connie being pregnant and my wife, oh. it was very difficult for me. Plus, they made it extra difficult because Francis Ford Coppola had his mother and father behind the camera, who happens to be Taya Shire's mother and father. And I'm supposed to, in front of your brother, mother and father, give you a beat. Oh, my gosh. So he came into the dressing room and he said, Gianni, it's really not working. This scene is pivotal on the whole script. Right. You have to beat her up. I said, well, first of all, let's get her out of the short sleeve dress. So the uh, property guys put her in a cardigan and the uh, stunt coordinators put pads on her. Oh, okay. And because, you know, the pregnant stomach was no problem, but that had to be my target, which right. subconsciously I'm, I'm whipping an unborn baby. So, I mean, and thank God I never, you know, it was my first movie. I understood how to do it. I got away with it. And um, how many takes, Johnny? Oh my God, that that was a lot of takes, because how, we, how many? I would I would say we were six, seven takes, but the problem with so the you had to relive this over and over again, right? Yeah, unfortunately, because it started right in the dining room. Well, it started when she came in, and I was tying my tie. I remember it like it was fifty years ago, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the phone rang. She says your girlfriend's on the phone. She said she can't meet you. Ah, my phone go get out. I have no girlfriend. Right. Give me my dinner. And then she leaves and she starts breaking everything and I come out of the bedroom and, and the scene starts of the mm -hmm. beating and I take off my belt and uh, that's, I improvised that actually. Did you? Well, there was no way to punch her. You know, the, I, so the belt, I whip her and then when, when we went through the dining room, the living room, down the hall and the, on the way to the hall, she grabbed the knife mm -hmm. and she was gonna kill me like a father and all that. Then she ran into the bedroom and that's when I kicked the bathroom door in, and right. the scene was cut. Because, Why was it cut? Well, because I went into the bathroom, and we had this all, I mean, in the film. Mm -hmm. and It I was still rolling when you went into the bathroom. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. They had a camera set up in the shower oh. to pick oh. it up. So when I got, got in there, and I grabbed it by the hair... And I was supposedly banging her head on the sink. Ooh. That's why when she talked to her mother on the phone, her face was black and blue. Oh. In the original cut of the movie, and still is, you never see me hitting her face right. at all. They cut to the baby screaming and the phone ringing. I mean, the editing was a, a brilliant. Right. But I don't know how many lay people ever sat back and said, wait a minute, I didn't see him hit her in the face at all. And when, oh, you know, right. And, and when you grab the... when. Uh, Sonny grabs the phone, and it's a two-shot back and forth. Yeah. Her face is all black and blue. Mm -hmm. But that's how it happened. I grabbed and banged her head against the sink. Oh, that's a cool anecdote, though. Yeah. The people why did they, definitely why did they wouldn't cut know. the scene? It was too, too much? Well, uh, senses right. went into it, and they said, I mean, we're going to let you go limited on, on the whipping and all that, but this ain't happening. It's too graphic. Well, at that time. Right. Then I don't know if I, I said this on the air before, and how people... Uh, relate to actors and all that. I was in Chicago not soon after the movie came out and a lady come running across the street. I didn't know who she was. Mm -hmm. And she has a pocketbook and she got close to me. She started beating me with her pocketbook. What? And I'm defending myself, but a pocketbook <laughs> is a pocketbook. Yeah. And the cops grabbed the fortune was right on Rush Street. And he said, what are you doing? And she said, and she's hysterical. 
And I said, do I know you? She said, no, but you played Carlo. I said, yeah. yeah. She said, well, I had a miscarriage. My boyfriend beat me while I was pregnant. He was so enamored with that movie, he beat me up. And she had a miscarriage. Oh, my oh, you, gosh. You must have felt terrible. I did. I mean, Jesus. I was going to say, you want to go upstairs? I'll give you another kid. Oh, my but God. I know. <laughs> oh, my. How do you, how do you, I, I didn't know. But, I mean, you hear those stories, how people right. relate. And I, yeah. And. Yeah. Um, oh, that's tough. Yeah, that, that was my toughest. And then, you know, I, I'm, I'm all, that's, that's the best. That's enough. My toughest scene, believe me. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So kind of going along with that. Jeffrey asks, your death scene in The Godfather, how does that work behind the scenes? What was actually around your neck, and how did you kick out the windshield? The, the good news about that, that was one of the, my easiest scenes to do. Because really? all I did was get in the car, and Clemenza says, hello, Carlo. Mm-hmm. And I look back, and then soon as he had the garrote around my neck, there, he actually, I went with him as he was pulling with me. Because I was sitting in a seat. Yeah. So I just put my feet to the floorboard, raised myself up, and he pulled me up. And once the, the, my back was resting on the top of the seat, looking at the ceiling of the car, was my mark. Mm-hmm. Once I saw the, the ceiling, I would start kicking. And that's when I started kicking the windshield out. But that's what, it was easy. Other than the kicking, was a lot of energy. But was the windshield made of a different material? So no, they tried that, and it would just break away. And, and Francis is a, a, a stickler for technique, and that you know people would know, right? Because those old cars had heavy plastic as a safety glass uh, glass at that time. Oh. So it would just break away. It wouldn't break away. Hmm. Then they scored it. We tried different things. Then they put lead soles in my shoes. And then it worked. Oh, okay. That's why you got I got hurt, though. If I recall. Oh yeah, no, I got cut up in that scene. I got cut up from the scene. windshield. From the windshield, because when we were going down the street and they had hit the brakes, I slid forward. Oh. Nobody realized that. Kind of threw it. Yeah, my legs were going along mm-hmm. the bottom rail. Oh. So from my calves, like to my upper thighs, you were like all... little razor cuts. Oh man. Which starts to hurt later on. Why you doing it didn't mean anything. Yeah, I bet. Um, okay, so another one. Robert asks, what is Al Pacino like? Al Pacino's like an altar boy. I mean, he's a very introvert. He's who he is. He's a thespian. He's a method actor and a great one. But um, you never know with these guys. I mean, I never approached anybody other than Brando because Brando allowed me to. And he's of that same school, you know, Stella Adler and you name them. They, they did, they studied with everybody. But uh, Pacino, to me, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how many people in the audience know. I went on to make my third film called Any Given Sunday with Pacino and uh, totally a different character. But again, he became Mike Shanahan, who was the head coach of the Denver Broncos. And that's who he was. For the next three months, hmm. that's what they do. It's when he's out of ca- or with any actor, but we're talking about him now. When when they aren't shooting, is he still in character? They try to stay in the character. It's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did you? I I don't know what character I was. I, <laughs> I still don't. Well, you're quite a character. I know. You are a character yourself. Well, that's right. See, so I'm always in character. That's true. Okay. <laughs> All right. So next one. This is Ray. 
asks, who would you say is your best celebrity friend? That would be me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Obviously. No, um, I'm, I'm thinking he's talking about movie stars or... I mean, I, I have... Fortunately, I have great friends that are big celebrities. I mean, I've been friends with Tom Jones and Engelbert Humperdinck for years. Mm. Bobby Vinton is one of my oldest friends who used to come to my house. Andrew Bocelli, I mean... Who do you still hang out with today? I don't really hang out with anybody. I never mm. was a hanger-outer. Mm -hmm. But I do go to dinner. I, I mean, I'll meet De Niro anytime he wants. I just love him then because he's such a character. And I've traveled with him. And uh, Pacino the same way. But uh, I, I like James Woods, too. James Woods is far more sophisticated than most people think. Very mm. well-educated. and he's a hell of a poker player, too. Yeah, well, they, they all are. Jesus. Yeah. They're crazy with that. I, I was never a gambler. Is that weird? Mm, I was yeah, always, it is. I was always on the other side. I never took a drug. I never placed... I mean, I place a bet, but that's just for fun. We're in a casino with some people. I'll put, you know, play a couple of thousand dollars. But other than that, I, I, these, I, I watch too many people go down with it all. Mm. But, you know, I have a, so many celebrity friends. I'm probably offending some people that I'm not even mentioning <laughs> their name. No, I've been blessed. I really am. Yeah, that's awesome. Pat, who would you say is your your most famous friend? Probably Howard Stern. Uh, oh. Oh, yeah. I worked for him. I worked for Howard for years, and I worked for Yoko Ono after John Lennon got shot. Oh, wow. And we actually lived in the Dakota. Was, uh, after he huh. got shot, uh, she she became a target for every psycho in the country. Oh, yeah. Oof. So she, she hired... A famous security company, which shall go unnamed, uh, to protect her and, and and her son Sean, and they wound up triple billing her. So uh, her attitude was, well, I may be crazy, but I'm not stupid. So uh, John and uh, when John was alive, and uh, Yoko loved New York City cops. They loved cops. In fact, they were the ones who bought bulletproof vests for the cops when the cops had to lay the money out themselves. Mm. Those vests back then cost over $1,000. Oh, wow. You're talking the early 1970s, and the city would not go for it. So Yoko Ono and John Lennon said, we're going to buy the cops vests, and they embarrassed the city into saying, well, you can't buy their vests. We're going to wind up paying for it. So that's how the city wound up paying for our vests, because Yoko Ono and John shamed them into doing it. So uh, she decided that she wanted cops to guard her, and she went to a rock singer by the name of Eddie Money. You, you heard of any money? No. I think I have. And, and, he's, he's, any he's, money? He's, he's, he's still around. <clears throat> I feel his like real, I've definitely heard that is, name. His real name is Eddie Mahoney, and he was a cop, uh, NYPD, not very long, and he went on to be a rock and roll guy, and he, he still performs. Not as famous as he used to be in the 70s and 80s, but his brother, Danny Mahoney, was a lieutenant at the time, and I was a sergeant, and a company was formed. I wasn't one of the partners, but a company was formed... Uh, we, we only had one client, and that was Yoko Ono. Hmm. And we, wow. we, we lived with her for years. I mean, there was one time I took my entire vacation. They gave us six weeks a year on the NYPD. Mm -hmm. Took my entire vacation, never left the Dakota. The windows were painted black so no one could shoot in. Oh, wow. The park. Then after her, uh, she got married, you know. No one knows this. She, she married her son's nanny. Really? Uh, about... Two years after John got killed. Was, I'm just it, a, was it a female or, or a male? 
It was a male. I forgot his name, and we don't want to go into him too much. But mm. uh, he 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 didn't like us because Sean, the kid, uh, was looking toward us, the cops, you know, the off-duty cops, as father figures. Oh. He was like eight at the time. Now he's forty-five. I mean, it's you know, it's just so hard to imagine this, this kid is a adult now. But anyway, uh, th this this guy used to be a hairdresser. We'll go any further with that occupation, but he wound up being the nanny of the kid. He winds up marrying Yoko, and he said, okay, these guys got to go, and we basically got bounced after four years, wow. except if something serious happened. If there was a serious threat, even after that, we would uh, go back into protection mode and f find the person who was threatening her. But after that, I worked for Howard Stern for a, quite a while. Johnny knows this. Oh, yeah. Hmm. And uh, I was, I was uh, living with my girlfriend in Whitestone, and around the corner from where we lived was uh, Howard's limo driver, Ronnie the limo driver. Uh, he had a limo, and Howard was his only client. But when he wasn't working, Howard let me use the limo. Oh. With the drive. I mean, he was a, Howard's a great guy. Oh, that's cool. I mean, he treated me very well. Uh, I was at his house numerous times. Uh, any any party he had, he would always invite me. Very nice guy, but of course I moved. <coughs> that was the end of that. Uh, mm. But I would say those two, uh, you know, you know. I'm, I'm glad you included Howard because Howard is a good friend of mine too. Oh, good. And a, a big celebrity. Yeah, you, you know, th through these people, you meet other celebrities. You know, of course, yeah. Uh, right. And that, that's the way it goes. But the one thing you can't be on the on the NYPD is what they call a star. Once you start getting more press than the police commissioner, which is what we were getting. Because we were guarding major celebrities. You'll get transferred fast. <laughs> well, I tell you, they were on us, man. There were all kinds of investigations, and they made they made life hell. But hey, we were doing what you know. We, we had there wasn't any reason why we couldn't do it. We weren't using our uh, police powers. Mm -hmm. We were off duty guarding people. We can do that. That's an occupation, a uh, moonlighting occupation. That's allowed. But uh, we 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 pay for it uh, in other ways. Investigations personal lives they were constantly on us mm. uh, well uh, you I know, kept, part of the game I'm gonna have to interrupt you because we did our 15 minutes <laughs> of the news bag and phone numbers yeah so that's so, all for tonight and ladies and gentlemen or whoever's out there listening this is gonna happen every week become part of the show go online phone call us do whatever you have to do go on there's so many ways to get in touch with us now absolutely it's at the end of the show and again we thank you and we'll see you next week. All right. Good night, guys. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. My name is Megan Horan. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.